This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Shall we begin? <laughs> Expecto Patronum! BFM 89.9, it is 7.39. You're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and we're joined today by Michael Chiang uh, because Arvin is, once more, I have to say this, missing out on our Thor week. <laughs> um, yes, of all people. I know, it almost sounds like we made up a story, but then that's what today's show is about. Yeah, Mythology. I, <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, Michael, firstly, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me again. And um, as you may or may not have been tipped off uh, by that first clip and by Sharmila saying it, today we are focused on mythology and gods and goddesses and all the rest of it because it's quite a rich theme in cinema, actually. There's a fair amount of um, there's a fair amount of stuff. It's not all Nordic. But yeah, uh, we're going to talk about our favourites. And I mean, Wonder Woman is maybe not top of mind, but in the first film... There's a fair amount of, you know, Ares-ing and, you know, she's technically mythological as well. So I have to admit that when both Lynn and Michael brought up Wonder Woman, I was a little sort of puzzled because I was remembering Wonder Woman 2 so much more than the first one. Just 80s. Yeah, and I, and, yeah, and I was like, wait, what's mythological about Wonder Woman? I mean, the Amazons are not really mythological, are they? Um, and then Lynn reminded me about the whole Ares and the gods and yes, okay, so... Superhero as well as mythology. I love movies that are based on mythological stories. I love stories that movies, TV shows that take inspiration from this idea of gods or greater beings because there's so much you can do with that story, right? On the one hand, there's practically no limit in terms of where the story can go, uh, in terms of their abilities. But on the other hand, it has that ability to do that classic good versus evil, um, the what is humanity? How can we, um, you know, how can we see us reflected in these beings? Yeah, I love movies from the genre. So, uh, fun fact about Wonder Woman. She actually was a god. Because it was quite recently when, in the comics, where she actually got changed into a, her, her whole backstory. Before that, she was just made out of clay. And then the comics decided <laughs> to just like, okay, let's make her the, the, the daughter of Zeus. And that was, I think, fairly recent, 2011, I think. Because that wasn't yeah. always her backstory, yeah. right? But she has always fought with the gods. Which mm. She had, the god of war was her arch enemy. And then she had all these gods and Zeus and all those playing with her. The Hera's always been there. So, yeah, but she being a god itself was actually quite recent as well. 
So I am a mythology nerd. I really, really love um, myths, not just from our part of the world or, you know, I'm equal opportunity. I have, I've enjoyed the, the Greek and Roman pantheon. Um, I've read Japanese mythology. Like, I enjoy mythology. And I think part of it is what you described earlier, Sharmila, the possibilities of, you know, good and evil. But also, I like the middle ground stuff. Um, trickster gods are a thing. Um, you've got gods who aren't particularly interested in good or bad. They just regard us as ants, um, you know, and, and, and just want to play with us the way one would with things that are below them. And there's something quite fun about that, while also acknowledging that they are often petty and kind of um, have their own issues. And I think it is always, it's always been that push and pull between so great, so high and mighty, while at the same time also so silly and fundamentally human that makes their stories appealing. I do think, though, that in the way in which it's been translated into modern cinema, that maybe it's more... Um it's more grand heroes and gods than it is foibles and failings. And, and, and that's a small thing of mine. Well, you say that, except there's, you know, stuff like Bruce Almighty. Yeah, which kind of takes the idea and just really runs into humour with it. Um, I think that actually the thing about stories that do this sort of thing is that, yes, sure, it's about gods and goddesses or mythology, but actually we did fantasy last week, um, our theme, and then we talk about superhero movies all the time. I think one of the reasons why this genre is so interesting, it integrates so many of those things. You have adventure, you have uh, action, you have fantasy, you have, uh, in some cases, you have a lot of comedy. Uh, there's so many ways in which these stories can be interpreted as well. Uh, so gods or mythology isn't even like a genre of its own. It's a, it's a trope or a theme that can then be realized in many different ways. So I'm a big fan of fantasy and a lot of fantasy novels, a lot of fantasy shows, they always have their own gods. I mean, look at Neil Gaiman's American Gods. He made up his own gods of technology, of the internet. And that has always been very fun because you'd be like, oh, is there a god of loudspeakers or, <laughs> or a god of uh, little holes in the walls? <laughs> so you start imagining kind of things, especially when you're a kid and you are reading stories like that, you're watching movies like, let's say, Never Ending Story and seeing flying things. Oh, that can be a god too. And yeah, so this has always, that's why maybe I like superhero movies so much because they are kind of like, they are the modern gods. People look up to mm. them. They have the powers of gods, but they are, like you said, they're humanized as well. So people can relate to them. They create, actually, superheroes have by this point become mythology in themselves. It's the new mythology. Yeah, yeah. yeah I was going to say that I feel sometimes as if um, there's been a blend, right? Because superheroes are now the, the new gods and goddesses of times past. Um, but then on the flip side of that, you also have movies that are technically mythological in their roots, but then get treated like superhero movies. In other words, that the tropes mm. and the rise and the falls and the third act and the, the wars, uh, all of that gets treated uh, with the superhero movie lens, right? Well, yes, actually. And, you know, when we talk about like that arc, the story arc, the hero's journey, for instance, or um, the kind of, um, you know, the hero who moves up, finds a mentor, defeats the villain. These are stories as old as time. You see them in our epics, you see them in our legends, you see them in mythology. And I think there's a reason why we keep retelling those stories again and again, whether it's in the form of Lord of the Rings or whether it's in the form of Superman. I think they go back to actually trying to tell the same kinds of stories. So my kind of, my favourite kind of, 
stories about mythology is where they try to integrate the Greek, the, the modern world and the fantasy one. Mm. So stuff like Percy Jackson's always fun because you I see love like, Percy Jackson. Well, the it's books. It's very underrated. The, I mean, the, the film is underrated. The... I like the no. f- oh here we okay, go. I like no. the film. Okay, wait, both? Oh no, not both. The okay. first one, the Lightning Thief was not bad. It's just it just didn't really um didn't really resonate with a lot of people. I the first one was okay. Lynn Lynn has had to listen to me go on about Percy Jackson for a while. Hence my recoil. Yeah, but the second one was terrible. But that said, oh, yeah, I will say one. I'm very excited about the TV show. Oh, I yeah. feel like TV will be a great format for Percy Jackson. It should be a good format because I mean it's about a kid who runs around with God powers and does God stuff. And who's half God and half mortal, mm. which I think is key to all of it. Which a lot of great heroes are. Right. I mean, if you if you think about the original heroes, your Herculeses and the, and the like, they they tend to be you know people who are half. Um, so Steph on Instagram says Percy Jackson. Uh, Sophia says Percy Jackson. Oh my God! But there's a new series in the works. Yes, I am very excited about that. I'm yeah, I'm I'm willing to not rewatch the other ones. I don't care as much. Uh, yeah, you don't have to watch the movies again. Just watch it once. <laughs> you're fine. <laughs> Read the books at least. Read the books. Yes, recommend. So, uh, we are talking today about gods and mythology. That is the focus of our supercut. And we started off with a little bit of Wonder Woman. And now we're going to close off this side of things with a small bit of um, Achilles. Because, I mean, if we're going to be talking about myths and gods, why not? Again, we'd like to hear from you. Um, What are some of your favourite films or shows that feature mythology and gods and goddesses? Um, You can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Dedicated your life to the gods. Zeus, god of thunder. Athena, goddess of wisdom. You serve them. Yes, of course. And Ares, god of war, who blankets his bed with the skin of men he's killed. All the gods are to be feared and respected. I'll tell you a secret. Something they don't teach you in your temple. The gods envy us. They envy us because we're mortal. Because any moment might be our last. Everything's more beautiful because we're doomed. You will never be lovelier than you are now. We will never be here again. Do you have faith, Shadow? What are you? Do you know me? Do you know what I am? Do you want to know my name? Tell me. This is what I am called. I am called Glad of War, Grim, Raider, and Fur. I am One-Eye. I am also called Highest and True Gether. I am Grimnir and the Hooded One. I am All-Father, Gondlier, One-Bearer. I have as many names as there are winds, as many titles as there are ways to die. My Raven, my Yugin and Moon in thought and memory. My wolves are Fakie and Gary. My horse is the gallows. I am Odin! Kind of wish we were doing the show on Wednesday. <laughs> like, like, that would have just been so appropriate. <laughs> well, it's Thursday, so it's Thursday. True. 
True. Let's roll with that. Um, it is 7.50. You are listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Michael. And together we're discussing uh, our supercut today, rather, is focused on mythology, gods, goddesses on screen. And we want to hear your favourites. Um, what are some of your favourite movies or shows that have explored this? Um, you can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. So that was a bit of American Gods, which uh, first season at least was great. Oh, first season was amazing. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I really soured on season two. Granted, the showrunners left, um, and so it became kind of weird. But I thought the first season, in capturing this idea of gods living amongst us and what happens to gods when people don't believe in them anymore, was so beautifully realised. Yeah, um, I think it, the show suffered because Neil Gaiman really wasn't that involved in the show. I mean, it's based on his story, so the first season was great, but once they started veering a bit mm. off of that, then they started to like meander a bit. Can I also just say, Odin's had a great screen run. Anthony Hopkins, Ian McShane, all chewing scenery. Pretty cool, lah. They should uh, do an Odin film. Oh, that would be fun. Although I don't know. So the thing about the the Norse gods, right, is that because we've gotten used to Thor and Loki and this marvelized version of Odin, like I don't know if we're ready for a Northman style treatment of of the true stories of the gods because they're dark. Oh, the Norse stories, the Norse myths are really like, dark. People get disemboweled yeah. and eaten, and there's a lot. Yeah, and Loki gets. Gets tortured a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. The thing is, that's what I'm saying. I'd actually love to see a proper, true to form adaptation. It wouldn't be Marvel, and I think that's kind of the problem if you've grown up on Marvel's Loki and Thor and Odin, because the real story—they're not buddies. Yeah, no, and um, they're really not as cuddly and friendly as they are here. Well, um, Neil Gaiman did an adaptation of the Norse mythology. Ah, yes. yes. So if they did decide to actually just do a screen version of it, that would probably be a, probably be a good way to do it. We're probably just going to talk yeah. about Neil Gaiman on I this know, side right? of things because <laughs> he um, does it so well. He does it so well, and this is really kind of his area. Um, and we've got a few messages referencing that as well. Adam saying the Sandman, um, Ukal saying good omens, all of which are basically Gaiman properties. And I think it's because he's just as a storyteller always been very interested in this sort of thing. Good omens is a great shout because if. Like the the sort of intenseness and darkness of a Sandman or American Gods is not your thing. Good Omens is completely the opposite. I love that show. I'm really looking forward to season two, especially because it's given us the beautiful pairing of David Tennant and Michael Sheen. Uh, but yeah, very different tone, but also again about myths and gods and that interplay of good and evil. I like the fact that Good Omens plays around with the heaven and hell theme, but mm. doesn't really go into the whole religion part. They really focus on the myth themselves, rather the myth of Lucifer, the myth, myth of a heaven and a hell and angels fighting each other. I think it's the same kind of thing where Supernatural also had those kind of themes. The TV then, show. Yeah, the mm. TV show. But they didn't really show God until right at the very end, which was really nice because they didn't have to go into that part of the whole myth. Oh, which reminds me of Preacher. Oh. Ooh. No, I mean, right? If yeah. if we're going to be talking about the ways in which you explore a very human story that has a lot of supernatural elements that also is heavily involved in in God, then, you know, Preacher does it very well. Uh, by the way, Chandra Kumar asks, does supernatural count and Monty Python and the Holy Grail? 
Well, Supernatural obviously counts. Monty Python, Holy Grail. Life of Brian would probably yeah, count. Yeah. I think so. So Lynn and I did have, because she was like, hey, we're not including Arthurian legends. And then I said, but those are legends. Are they really myths? And then so we got a bit pedantic and we didn't. But I guess if you think of legends as also mythology, then Holy Grail would count as well. Okay, how do you define mythology? I mean, so many cultures have their own myths. And I mean, if okay, let's talk about Mexican mythology. Mm. Coco. Book of Life. They talk about the day mm. of the date, how how the myth, how the date come back, and all. Is that their myth? So it's also part of mythology. So it's. I agree. I think um, I'm quite open and loosey goosey with this in the sense that, um, of course, when people make movies about religion, it can get a little tough. Um, but I think as you know, if if people take ownership of their own stories and tell their stories on screen, Coco is a great example. Moana is another excellent example mm-hmm. of how it can be really rewarding. Um, we have a point uh, that, or, or rather, I'd like to ask a question about casting because we've been referencing a bunch of different people, whether it's your Anthony Hopkins or your Tom Hiddleston. Um, but I'd like to go back also um, to... How do you cast Helen of Troy? Mm. And, and does that matter, right? Because if, if in the myths they're supposed to be the biggest, the strongest, the most beautiful, the most golden, um, what are you left with except casting either like a complete unknown or the true Hollywood stereotype version of who that would be? Because I'm not sure who else plays Achilles aside from Brad Pitt in that particular period of his life. Like even now he wouldn't be it. It's a really good question because I think about this a lot in the context of um, there's a there's a screen version of the Mahabharata in the mix um, and um, who would you cast? Because these people are, are sort of talked about as the best version of everything. So they've gone in the direction of, well, we're going to cast our biggest and best actors, uh, the biggest names, which I think I suppose is the commercially smart decision to go. But sometimes I feel like a complete unknown would have worked better only because you don't then associate them and the other roles they've done? It's the whole, um, should we go alias or should we go unknown question? I mm-hmm. mean, Beauty and the Beast, you wouldn't see Emma Watson as a beauty. as the beauty if you compare to the Disney version. Or even Dan Stevens, would he be the Ch- Prince Charming? So I think that going unknown or relatively unknown would be better. Look at Tom Sturridge as, as Morpheus. Look at... Um, Even yeah. Chris Hemsworth as Thor. Like, yeah. who knew him before he played Thor? So, okay, Chris Hemsworth then opens up a secondary question, which is, is it important then that they physically look like the thing? Because um, Tom, Tom Sturridge... Well, I suppose if you were on the hunt for like a pale Englishman, you're going to find one. You know, it's, it's not terribly difficult. But who is going to look like Thor, God of Thunder... It requires a certain type of, of personage. I'm not sure you would have thought you'd find them in Australia, but the point is, like, it requires a certain kind of look, right? Yeah, I think I think with mythology, particular physicalities are really important, right? So Thor has a certain physicality. You think of, like, a Loki, you want him to be slight and mischievous and sort of fleet-footed or however... I think that's important. I don't think, though, they need to exactly look like paintings or whatever. Um, I think if you look at the Asian mythologies, I mean, the Japanese ones, they are completely, they just they just cast whoever is there. They don't really. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, he's, he's, he's big right now. Let's cast him as the monkey god. Uh, so, I think that this kind of idealized god version is a very Western thing with all the muscles and the blonde hair and everything. So actually, if, Indian yeah. cinema too. Um, 
the older films weren't about that. It was more about the ability to connect with the audience than whether they really looked like it. Yeah. And I think it's a little bit of a, a god myth fairy tale kind of situation again because we've been told these stories a lot, and so it then really gets drummed into your head. And also because in the case of again to go back to Helen of Troy, her beauty is a storytelling point. Mm. And so yeah, I just think casting for mythology is particularly difficult, maybe. But yeah, that's what we're talking about today. Our focus is on gods, goddesses, mythology on screen. We want to hear some of your favourites. We want to hear some of your recommendations. You can send it our way by WhatsApping 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. We've been spending quite a lot of time in the Greco-Roman side of things. Here is a taste of Egypt in the form of Moon Knight. I feel the pain inside of you. I am the god Khonshu. To be my hands, my eyes, my vengeance. To be my final word against the evildoers. To bind your very being to me and eradicate only the worst. Those who deserve it. Do you want death? Or do you want life? In exchange for your life, do you swear to protect the travelers of the night and bring my vengeance to those who would do them harm? Yeah. Rise and live again as my fist of vengeance, as my moon knight. It is 8.08 and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn, Sharmila and Michael. And together we are talking today about gods, goddesses and mythology on screen. This is because earlier this week we reviewed Thor, Love and Thunder. Uh, We also threw back earlier on to the... Brendan Fraser and Rachel Wise Mummy. So, you know, there's, there's been a fair amount of talk around it, so we thought it was time. And we'd like to hear your favourites. Um, what are some of your favourite versions of myths or gods and goddesses on screen? You can WhatsApp us, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. That was, of course, the theme to Journey to the West, which is a version, which is a myth that's been um, committed to screen a number of times. That's been... TV shows, there have been movies, there's been Stephen Chow slapstick comedies, <laughs> there's been anime, there's been Japanese anime, there's been comics, there's been... There's every single medium you can imagine has a Journey to the West adaptation. 
I honestly, so I remember the Stephen Chow version very vividly. But honestly, the TV show, I have memories of it being on all the time when I was growing up. I watched it all the time. But I couldn't, I can't really remember what I was watching. But it was, the visuals of it were so cool. And I think also coming from um, Asian backgrounds as well, there's a sort of similarity in terms of, for instance, the monkey god and so on. Um, I remember loving the TV show. I was too young to fully understand it, but I loved it so much. I do love the book though. I was obsessed. I mean, I, I like that was a daily thing. I watched it a lot and I was in absolute grief when they changed actors. I'm like, what are you talking about? How is this even the same thing? Um, but I, I thought that we could talk about Journey to the West in the context of a quest because we haven't talked about that yet. Um, the fact that a lot of myths and mythologies do focus on the idea of an unthinkable quest or, or something that simply cannot be achieved. The entirety of the movie Hercules is really based on that. Um, Jason and the Argonauts based on that. Troy in some ways based on that. So this idea of being able to or to try to achieve the unachievable. Which, what, which is what makes them such great fodder for movies, right? Because there's a clear beginning, middle and end. The climax is obviously when the person triumphs. Well, unless you're doing the Norse mythology, then nobody triumphs. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I think that's partly it. And that's also partly why they are so great for kids. Um, I, The earliest memory I have of watching a mythological film on screen, other than like the Indian Hindu dramas, which we used to get a lot of as well, was Clash of the Titans, the old one. And I still remember the image of Medusa. I remember uh, Perseus. Um, and it's it's that, that idea that as a kid, you don't really need to understand the themes or the, the underlying storyline but you can understand this idea of this guy needs to win at something and he has and that alone I think is exciting enough and the stop motion skeletons oh I love it I have to rewatch the classic one because I hated the remakes but the old one I, I think of it sometimes and it makes me so happy I think great Greek mythology is really fun because there's so many of their quest, those quests, the Odyssey, I mean, Jason mm. and Argonauts, those, those are just ripe for stories and ripe for films and movies. But they just somehow don't come in to get it right most of the time. Especially the newer yeah. films. They, they, I feel like they either go too far in terms of... Actually, I'm not sure. I can't put my finger on what doesn't work, except it feels either like they're taking themselves too seriously. Yeah, I think that's it. Or they're not taking themselves seriously enough. I would add on to that, that these are very often male stories, but in the in the story, in the original versions, uh, there are important female characters and they don't necessarily get the same shine um, in the films. And so then it just becomes a, a genre film like, oh, this is a siege movie. This is a war movie. This is a whatever. And it, you lose the softer touches. The And when I say female characters, I don't mean to say that no woman, no watch. Like It's not like that. It's more to do with the fact that once you turn it into a certain kind of movie, then even the male characters become, hey, bro, let's go sit by the fire as opposed to, you know, let's play a harp and compose a song, which was more accurate to what they would actually have been doing. The other thing, of course, is that even these Greek myths, um, they simplify them a lot, right? Because they want them to be big budget. Everyone can watch it family film style. But the gods' actual stories are not like Zeus or Hera or Poseidon or Aphrodite. None of them. Or Hercules and, you know, what he did when he went mad. These things are not family friendly at all. So to a certain extent also, when you simplify the darkness in these stories, you also simplify the story overall. I mean, best example is probably Disney's Hercules. 
Yes. Mm. I mean, Her- Hercules himself, the seven tasks were so... Some of them were really painful. Some of them were really horrible. But in the cartoon, it, they just like sim- just like simplifies it to the point where they o- he only fights the Hydra and everything else is a montage. And they don't even... So Hera in that is not trying to murder him, right? They totally skip over that part. It's um, Hades is the villain. And I still have that image of uh, Zeus and Hera sort of happily like cuddling baby Hercules and being really confused when I was a kid. Also, if you ever want to be depressed, find out what happened to Megara. Because you <laughs> oh. watch the movie and you're like, oh, yes. Meg. Yeah, Meg. And then you read the actual thing and you're like, ah, <laughs> I see. The ending's not so great. Having said that, um, we've been asking you for your favourites. And Hercules is coming up a lot. So uh, Julianne says, Disney's Hercules. Rowan says, I loved the 1995 Hercules and Xena TV shows. Um, Kenling says, I want to throw back to the movies aired often in the 80s and 90s, starring Kevin Sorbo as Hercules. Hercules and the OG Clash of the Titans. Those old movies sparked my interest into all forms of local and foreign mythology. Uh, Rowan is adding on, I thought the Clash of Titans and the sequel Wrath of the Titans was fine. Don't invest too much, just enjoy the idea of humans being caught up in a civil war between the gods. Gods of Egypt seemed like a lesser version of the Titans movies. I was always more of a Xena fan than Hercules, uh, but I love the mention of both of them. I mean, we don't have that like cheesy mythological TV show anymore. The closest I can think of is The Witcher, which also is not as cheesy as all that. Yeah, I think things have gotten a lot more sophisticated since then. We where like you had just cheese like beefy, on TV. Just beefy guys swinging swords around. Yes. <laughs> well, um, we have for the second week running, someone, uh, Jia'e actually, bringing up Vikings. So does that count as cheesy? The, the Vikings really, were real. Right? That's true. <laughs> Firstly, the Vikings were real. But the Vikings had Norse gods. Yes, that's true. The Vikings true. were the ones who worshipped the Norse gods. So that's... I guess if you're telling a tale of Vikings and it also involves the Norse gods, then we move into mythology territory. Yeah. Uh, well, Con said, did I hear you guys say mythology? So I, I do feel like we missed that earlier <laughs> when we were thawing out. <laughs> yes, I shall remember that for future Thor references. I want to have um, a bit of a dip into the category called, I'm not sure this qualifies, but I'm happy that people sent it in. So uh, let's start with Ben George, who says, Hunting Secrets and Seekers, um, which we had to Google. And it is an Italian animated series, it looks like. Which I'm still trying to figure out, and I'm not quite sure is mythology, although it does look... Kind of soapy and interesting. Mm. Um, meanwhile, Carol Nizam says, I love the cheesy Mortal Kombat movie, especially the techno theme song, Mortal Kombat. <laughs> is Mortal Kombat mythology though? You might as well say Street Fighter is mythology. Hmm. I guess it's inspired by ways of telling stories that can seem mythological. But it's also video games lie at the end of the day. I think this shows um, the link between fantasy and mythology, actually. Because when you say ways of storytelling that are taken from myth, actually what it is is um, ways of storytelling that have since morphed into fantasy films, fantasy storytelling. And that's, I think, why Mortal Kombat is kind of there. Yeah, I think so. And, And I think also, depending on what you grew up, reading, watching, whatever, the imagery kind of blurs sometimes. So actually, to be fair, something like Troy doesn't ever really show you gods. It's it's fairly a realistic, real-life story. But the way it's shot, the way it um, kind of conflates these ideas, I, I 
think it's okay. I mean, I'll accept it is what I'm saying. I want to go back to the part where you're talking about the female female side of the mm. mythology. Um, Moana is a good example. I mean, she's not the god. The god's her sidekick. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> And she has to save a god. So that's a great, that's a great movie that flips that whole god versus people kind of thing. Oh, I love Moana. Um, I also love how much Moana made me... I mean, I knew about Maui, but I love how much Moana made me want to find out about Polynesian mythology. And um, similar to something like Spirited Away um, or mm. Princess Mononoke, which made me just like spend weeks and weeks immersed in reading about Japanese mythology and folklore. I think movies like these actually do so much to get people interested in things beyond that Western Greek Roman gods, right? And, and I think that's actually very important. Sorry, we are. I, I want to talk about Moana, but we did also just get a correction or uh, a clarification, I guess, from Ken Ling, who says Mortal Kombat does have one element of mythology, the Japanese god of thunder named Raiden. I stand corrected. I'm glad I, I didn't discount it completely. <laughs> so there is that. Um, but well, back- finish him. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but back to Moana. In a way, right? It's like a kid's version of what Neil Gaiman is interested in exploring, which is the relationship between gods and humans. Um, his is a bit more complicated because it gets into areas of belief and whether belief power gods and whether without us, therefore they're nothing. Um, whereas Moana makes it more practical. Like he, he just needs her to get around. <laughs> yes. Um, actually, I always remember how with Moana, it, to me, it has one of the best endings I've ever seen for... Um, any movie, but also for a children's film. And I love how they take mythology and they flip it into something so relatable. Uh, very important for a kid's show. But really, I, I think that, I think how to tell mythology in a modern context, Moana does a really good job. There's another show on Netflix right now. It's called Maya and the Tree. Oh, yes. So I've it's seen very, it's it. about, I think it's about Mayan culture. Mm-hmm. So about this girl who grows up, who she's a half, she's a daughter of a goddess. And then she has to save her civilization. There's a lot of death. And for a kid's movie, a lot of people die. But they are actually quite happy to be dead. <laughs> Surprisingly, because they become ghosts and they help, the, help her go along on her journey. She has to collect this. But it actually got my daughter to actually be more interested in that kind of culture in different kinds of stories so it's a very good should check it out oh okay i've been wanting to i wasn't sure whether it was maybe pitched a little too young But there we go. A, a good recommendation, which is also what we're asking for from you. I mean, we're talking today about gods, goddesses, mythology, all on screen. And if you have a favorite or if you have a recommendation you want to share, you can WhatsApp 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. And now, since we've been talking ad nauseum about Moana, here is a little clip. Well, come to think of it. Kid, honestly, I could go on and on. I could explain every natural phenomenon. The tide, the grass, the ground. Oh, that was Maui just messing around. I killed an eel. I buried its guts. Sprouted a tree. Now you got coconuts. What's the lesson? What is the takeaway? Don't mess with Maui when he's on a breakaway. And the tapestry here in my skin is a map of the victories I win. Look where I've been. I make everything happen. Look at that. Mimini Maui. Hey! Well, anyway, let me say you're welcome. It's okay, it's okay, you're welcome. welcome. We'll come to think of it, I gotta go. Hey, Hey, it's your day to say you're welcome. welcome. Cause I'm gonna need that note. 
I'm sailing away, away. You're welcome. Because now we can do everything but grow. I got it. The name, the whole Lucifer thing, and desires like your superpower. Mm, it's more like a gift from God, really. Hello. So, tell me, what is it that you truly desire? What do you desire? What is it you desire? Tell me. What is it you desire? What do you desire to do with the rest of your time on Earth? Surely there must be something that you desire. Which one do you desire? Did you desire... I killed him. Oh. What is it you desire? What do you desire? What is it your badass kicking self truly desires? What is it you all desire? Get rich. Instagram model. Make people feel good. I just want to be alone, man. Boss. Play video games. My father's love. Yeah, get rich. Oh. Right, then what do you desire? And what is it you VFM 89.9, it's 8.23, and you're listening to Popcorn Culture with Lynn Sharmila and Michael. And together we are talking about gods, goddesses, mythology, and uh, some of the darker characters involved in that. If you would like to share a favourite or a recommendation on screen, um, on screen myth, whatever it may be, you can WhatsApp us 018-789-8899, tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, we do have this from Legion, who says, Lucifer completely wrecks the mould of what gods, devils and angels look like and behave instead of bat wings, angel wings, his brother Amadil and father are black. And then adds on, by the way, Hercules Returns is really hilarious if you want a good laugh. Watch Hercules speak with an Australian accent and aspires to be a singer instead of a hero. And then Legion has a question which I'll save. Let's talk about Lucifer first. Oh, Lucifer is such a guilty pleasure show for me. Um, I first watched it because it's it's a spin-off of uh, Neil Gaiman's Lucifer, right? Was thoroughly disappointed because it's basically a very cheesy crime procedural. But gave it some time, went back to it, really committed. Um, I love that show. I don't think it's a great show, but I think it's such a watchable show. And it really does. I mean, there's things that Legion just said, right? It really kind of examines that idea of um, good and evil, but through just like really fun lens. Yeah, it's the kind of show I just live in the background while I do housework. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and there's merit in shows like that. Yeah, there's not enough shows. Like, I mean, crime procedurals are basically there. And then you have Lu- you have Tom Ellis. Tom Ellis, right? Yeah, Tom, Tom Ellis, Ellis yeah. as Lucifer himself. So... The way he plays the devil, it really does break the mold. It, you can't see anyone else doing that. Actually, that goes back to what you were saying, Lynn, about the importance of casting. Mm. Because I think this show lives and dies on the casting of Lucifer. And, I mean, he is a very particular character, isn't he? Because he is a very old one. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> one that a lot of people would be familiar with. And then, I think, to simultaneously please the, the Gaiman fans who would have certain expectations based on the comics of what a Lucifer is supposed to look like. Um, and then also to get over perhaps some of the boundaries that other people might feel about engaging with a character that has such a storied history. Mm. I think, you know, casting somebody is tricky. Very tricky. Um, And I think the fact that they managed to keep that story going for as long as they could, seven seasons, six seasons, I think, I will admit it got a bit like they were flogging a bit of a dead horse at one point. But again, I think it was that he he pushed through most of even the difficult parts. I think they stopped and they started again. They got cancelled and then they went to Netflix bought over the show. Netflix bought it. It was a fun show. I mean, you wouldn't expect a movie about, a show about Lucifer to be fun. And interesting as a crime procedural as well so a little bit for everyone yeah. i would say 
Legion then asks a question. Are there any good movies about Hindu deities? Okay, so I'm not going to recommend, um, because there's a whole genre of like these devotional movies in Indian films, which can be a little bit difficult, but I'm going to recommend two things. One, um, a bit of a, I don't know whether too many people watch this, but there's a great anime anime film, which is a collaborative venture between Indian film, Indian production company and Japanese called Ramayana. It's so good. It's such a good version of Ramayana um, anime. And then there's this classic film called Karnan, which stars Sivaji Ganesan. Uh, to me, still, even today, gold standard of a mythological film um, about, hin- about Hindu gods. Well, I don't know anything about Hindu gods, but if you're talking about Japanese culture, Japanese mythology, there's a lot of that going Ooh. around everywhere. Hold that thought, because um, we have Ken Ling, who says, Legend of the Eight Samurai was also hmm. a unique movie about a Japanese myth epic. And then, I can't recall any other Japanese myths that was put on the silver screen. Quite a number of prominent Japanese stars, such as Sonny Chiba and Hiroyuki Sanada. So, you were saying, Michael. So, okay, um, if you're talking about prominent movies, and I'm not an expert, but if talking about enemies... Um, there's a lot of yokai culture. There's a lot of the mythological demons and monsters in shows like, let's say, Inuyasha. Even Naruto himself has the nine-tailed fox, which is very common in Japanese mythological tales. And they, I like the way that they just incorporate these kind of things where, and then expect you to get it. Can I just ask, do you guys want to see Hollywood take on these sorts of myths? No. Because I'm, yeah, I was going to say, I'm not a big fan. Um, if we have industries that are already really good at what they do, Japanese film, Indian cinema, I don't think I'm necessarily interested in seeing a Western lens or a Hollywood lens brought to this stuff. They could even get Dragon Ball, right? Come on. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing, right? I don't know that I want to see a Hollywood sensibility taking on and fundamentally Americanizing something that doesn't necessarily or have to belong to them. And I think this is something that we see in general with Asian American stories. There's nothing wrong with Asian American storytelling. There is a a time and a place for it. But it is an Asian American lens. And it's why I think when you see American audiences go like, representation, yes. You see other audiences in other parts of the world go, well, I I don't know if I necessarily feel represented by crazy rich Asians, you know, for example. And so by that same token, even if it were an Asian filmmaker, but it's an American Asian filmmaker taking on something like... Journey to the West. That's what mm. I was thinking, because that's that one's really ripe and you know it's a moneymaker. I don't know that I want to see that. I, I don't think I need that lens. Yeah, but the budget, lah. For me, what I think about is the the technology, the budget, that the scale that they could bring to something like that. Even though I which would which could say, be a bad thing. True. I mean, mm. I'm thinking though that of course with uh, something like RRR, we've seen how India can actually do this for itself. Mm-hmm. So maybe not necessarily from an Indian perspective, but. For me, it's the push and pull of I do want to see some stuff that's made at the level of like big budget Hollywood blockbuster, but not made by people from Hollywood. <laughs> they tried doing a Journey to the West TV series, right? On Netflix. Oh, did they? Yeah, they did. Oh, yes. It was really bad. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> yeah, I, I remember. Now I have like this weird PTSD memory of the, the, the first thing episode and it was really bad. What what tier of Netflix spending was it? Because oh, you, you can tell when you look it at a Netflix show. It was early in, I think, like the third or fourth year or something. Like I that. remember uh, bad wigs. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So not not at the level of spending that we are now accustomed to not seeing from man. them. Not Yeah. Um. By the way, Andrew is asking, 
Okay, Let, let's go back briefly to the, again, the section that I'm calling, is it? So, um, Andrew is saying, King Arthur? I would say yes. I Mythological. think so too. Yes. Well, you know, I, I suppose when you talk about, um, oh, I'm, I'm totally spacing on the thing that lives in the water. Ah, uh, the lady in the lake. Ah, yes, yes. Lady in the lake. No, <laughs> the no, the other <laughs> one. The other one. The, the monster. Loch Ness. <laughs> Stop it. Anyway, I was going to say Grindelwald. Now I'm completely losing the plot. So there Beowulf. are Be- Beowulf and the, all of these elements are very mythological, right? But King Arthur is then also, you know, acknowledged as being historical. Yeah, but Merlin. So, yeah, I, I, yeah for me, the the mythological or legendary parts of the King Arthur story come in when we start talking about magic. Mm-hmm. And so once you start bringing in Merlin's entire branch of the story, to me, that that morphs it quite I'm, a bit. I'm fine yeah, with Yeah, it. but even Journey to the West was based on a real journey. The monk actually did go to the West to get the Buddhist scriptures back. That's true. I I don't know. I'm, and I'm not even sure. Does mythology have to involve gods? Uh, no, I don't think so. Because if you look at some of the other ones, like, I mean, Mexican Mex- mythology, mm. like I was yeah. talking about, the day of the dead, there's no gods there. Mm. Mm. I think as long as it's mythological in nature, you're fine. Um, so King Arthur, yes. I think it's more, I cu- think so. more cultural in nature. Mm. I think a culture will have their own myths and their own stories and their own fantasies. And actually even definitions of gods and higher beings, yeah. right? Yeah. Ooh, um, so Ken Ling is back to say, oh, please do not let Hollywood or any Western production remake Journey to the West again. Um, followed by, ah, Merlin is considered mythological too. I love the Sam Neill version in particular. Oh, that's a great one. Yeah. I haven't rewatched that in years. And this is my regular announcement that you should go watch Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> Second time today. Every time, no, every time I come on, on the air, I'll try to put this in. <laughs> Widely and easily available too. So that's the other thing. Um, okay, continuing the, is it? Uh, Tim Tim says, Godzilla, King of the Monsters. No. I am not rude. mythological enough. I know. I want to say yes, but I, I can't. I think I see the logic, right? Because a lot of mythological monsters have their roots, of obviously, in these old stories. But kaiju are a relatively new film convention and film creation. So, yeah, I mean, it's a nice shout, partly because I always love a mention of Godzilla, but I think, sadly, no. Um, Vijay says, not sure if Lord of the Rings is in the category of myth. It's still my favourite so far. Lord of the Rings is certainly inspired by a fair amount of mythology. Celtic uh, myths, yeah. Yeah, but not strictly mythological in itself, I think. Um, no. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I would love to say yes because I love Lord of the Rings, but yeah, it's still a fantasy movie. It's still it's a, it's a story told by somebody who came up with the story by himself. Mm. It's not part of a culture. It's not, he didn't base it, he did base it on different cultures, but it's not part it's not widespread enough in a single culture or something and, like yeah, that. Yeah, it's not it's not part of a story's uh, yeah. a cultures like stories that they pass yeah. on. Yeah. Um Mike Leo on Twitter says Maui is a demigod, not a full god. Which right. yeah, yes. fair, enough. Yeah, fair um, enough. Although still mythological, <laughs> so fair game, I say. Um meanwhile, continuing, is it? Fadero says, What about Jumanji? All right, perhaps not. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yes, perhaps not. <laughs> if, I, unless you count Robin Williams as a god. 
Ooh. of comedy. <laughs> All right, then. <laughs> Ayo, that was done in like, if people saw Michael, I mean, considering we've been talking about Journey to the West, that was so like purposefully Stephen Chowish. <laughs> it was just, oof. Um, we do also have not a film, but, you know, on screen, we have a mention that's come through from Girish uh, on a voice note. Yeah, you guys are talking about uh, gods on screen and there's like a mention of video games. There is a video game called God of War, which like if anyone who's played a video game will tell you is like one of the coolest ever depictions of gods on screen. And it's all Norse based and it's, it's a Greek character called Kratos. And in the latest one, he has a son and it's like he's this very hardened god half god half man and he's trying to raise his son and he says things like boy be better don't be sorry and stuff like that and kids kids get kids play these games and i love it and i you know i'm like in my 30s but like kids play these games and they they, they teach lessons and it's like the whole greek pantheon and it's it's pretty amazing garish thank you so much for sending that yes please yes thank you for bringing that up (laughs) Because I didn't want to bring it up because it's a mo- it's a show about movie. It's not it, this is not Gigi well played. So I didn't want to say God of War, but I really wanted to say God of War. I'm okay. I've never played. I have played. Uh, it is one of the very few games that I've played and finished, and I love it. I mean, not not any of the latest iterations, but man, Kratos is a fun character to play. He just like violently pushes through stuff. I love it. <laughs> I look everything that Girish just said sounds like it could be mythology, so I'm just gonna vote yes on this it is, one. It is based in mythology because he's the god of war, and then he fights like the a lot of the Greek gods as well, mm. Greek or Roman, I can't remember. Yeah, but yeah, uh, and also, I I mean we've talked quite a bit about visuals and how modern CG sometimes actually isn't as beautiful as what you see in games, which is a problem, right? Especially when you're adapting video games to the screen. So um, I think God of War is fair game. Speaking of, this one's just for you, Michael. Adaptation, one or the one? Of God, God of, of War. War. No. Mm. Keep it as a game. Isn't one in the works? I mean, I thought... I think, I... I think they did green light. I think they've green lit one. So I but I don't see it translating well to screen. Neither do I. E- even though I think the visuals have a lot of possibility, I'm not sure that the the story or, or necessarily I how... I think if they, if they manage to do the latest the, the latest ones where he has the son, a son and the, they do a father and son thing where they just go on a quest to kill somebody, well, okay. Given it is mythology, <laughs> I was going to ask you son as in S-O-N or son as in S-U-N and both could have been true. Mm. No, he doesn't have a pet son. (laughs) He doesn't have solar panels on his head. (laughs) Just following him around. Um, Okay, since we've opened up the door fully now, um, Haris is saying, so the thing is, mythology is just folklore when it was contemporary and then asks a series of um, locally inspired questions, right? Um, Is si tanggang o hang tuah considered mythology? Bawang puteh, bawang merah, batu belah, batu betangkup, masuri? Okay, firstly, I looked this up because I wanted to be clear. Uh, Languagehumanities.org says, mythology usually refers to something grand in scale and scope, uh, covers a wide geographical range and thousands of years. Folklore is usually smaller in scale and thought of stories of the common people, even though they can be just as well known. So like Sang Kanchil is folk 
folklore. Yeah, and yeah. Sitangang also is folklore, mm. I would think. Whereas like mythology would perhaps be things that are more related to like gods and things like that. Uh, well, Although it doesn't have to be about gods. It doesn't have to be about gods, but I think that there has to be a commonality to the stories. I, I'm not and on, an epicness of scale. Yeah, yeah, I'm not on languagehumanities.org, but I, I, I think my that, go-to apparently. But I think that the stories have to interconnect, right? There have to be more. There has to be more than one story, and they have to take place within a set universe with a set cast of, of people mm. or, or at least beings. And so in that same vein then, both Hang Tua and Masuri are historical figures and I don't think they're Arthurian in the sense, maybe Hang Tua? Hang Tua maybe, but legends lah, right? Yeah, yeah, Masuri, because they're historical. Mm, Masuri is a self-contained story, I think. How about all the Arabic knights and all those kind of things? I mean, Alibaba. Arabian knights. So again, part of this though, yeah. to me, feels a bit like a Western lens thing because I think they're classified as folklore. But I don't see why. Because their the, their scale of which these stories are huge. Mm. Skulls on Instagram says, The Lighthouse. Interesting. Did not mm. think that was going to come up, but I can see where it's coming from. I don't want to spoil the film because I love it so much. But yeah, I mean, they, they allude to... It's a to, suggestion. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Meanwhile, uh, Lokman is also saying, I love The Sandman on Netflix. So lots of um, votes for Sandman, which I wish I could agree with. And the thing I like about Sandman was is to, the way the story goes into Greek folklore as well. I mean, Calliope, they're all Greek figures. I yes. mean, Orpheus mm. and the, the, the Fates, they're yeah. all part of Greek mythology. Ah, okay. Can I add on then a question, which is, if we see mythology and um, this translation of gods and goddesses on screen, do we want it in the modern day or not so much? Or what do we prefer? What what are we looking forward to? Because Sandman sets it firmly in our world, right? It's right now. Um, whereas if you look at like A Clash of the Titans, for example, it's also very firmly set back then. So yeah, what do we like? Do we like seeing them have to adapt to us? Or do we like seeing them in quote-unquote their natural state? I'm going to be fairly useless and say I love both. I, I love both, really. As long as they're done well, I'm happy to watch either. I like the modern settings. I mean, I like the f- idea of these mythological figures coming to our world, looking at smartphones and what the heck is that? And uh, Achilles running around trying not to stop his foot on an IKEA <laughs> furniture cabinet. There's something there. Imagine if he got taken out oh. by an IKEA cabinet. <laughs> Because that, that could do it, you know. Yeah. It's like man versus bee, Achilles versus Ikea. <laughs> like, I'd watch that. I think that that's a great, like, Rowan Atkinson, call yeah. me. You heard it here first. Yeah. Call um, us Hollywood. <laughs> Ken Ling says, I wonder if the myth of Raja Bersiung will ever be made into a film. Not a god, but a fun myth, fun myth learned in my schooling years. Oh, Raja Bersiung is such a great story. Um, I would love to see that done on screen. Meanwhile, um... Rowan says, has BFM reviewed The Magicians? They actually have heavy content of gods and it was interesting to see humans recover, uh, recover from trauma as a result of their interactions with gods. We haven't reviewed The Magicians. I also haven't actually watched the show, even though so many people have recommended it to me. Have you watched it, Michael? Nope. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, uh, we also have, let's see, uh, Fadero coming back to say Narnia? Ooh. Again, I think that's the Lord of Rings thing. Mm. Yeah. Although, you know, he did base it on a yes. very Christian point of view. Yeah, yeah. But, but inspired by yes. rather than actually. 
And then uh, Rish says, For me, Stargate SG-1 is one of the best adaptations of god mythology, specifically Egyptian mythology, into sci-fi movies and series where the Egyptian gods are basically aliens colonising and enslaving Earth. Uh, another good one is Percy Jackson, though the movies did not do justice to the books. Please don't start again, both of you. Thank you. Um, also, going on a tangent, look into Matthew Riley's Jack West Jr. book series, a very interesting spin-off of the Greek gods mythology, church organisation, ancient wonders and also ancient aliens. Stargate is a great shout. Um, I It's been a while since I've watched, so I can't quite remember. But the first time I watched it, I remember being really quite mind blown at how they managed to integrate the Egyptian mythology part with the sci-fi stylings of the show. Um, yeah, great one. I want to go back to Journey to the West because there's not enough Chinese mythological films out there. There are, but somehow they just keep going back to Journey of the West. There are a lot of... I mean, Donnie Yen did the story with uh, on the ancient uh, historical figure called Guan Yi before, and then but they somehow just don't seem to capture the fantasy, the, the mythological part of them. Does so that much. exist in Chinese cinema that perhaps someone like me who doesn't always watch them may not be able to there access? There are a lot of there are a lot of historical epics. I mean, they they a but lot not of this, mythological. Yeah, probably not as mythological mm. as Journey to the West, where you have all these demons and all. I'd like to see uh, Legend of White Snake. Ah, I yeah. think that that would be a really, really cool adaptation. That's a great story. No, there, there is one. Green Snake, I think, they in on Netflix or something like that. I, I confess that when things come out on Netflix, I don't always have <laughs> like the greatest so the, amount the, the, of So the faith. Legend of the White Snake was done, I think, in the 80s by Bridget Lin. She was the, Ah, yes. yes. I knew there was something. Yes, Bridget Lin. Lam has like, yes, 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 yes. Um, Usher says, Epic of Gilgamesh, which I, I think is maybe a suggestion for yes. an adaptation more so than a... Because I would love that, but I don't know that it exists. And if I've missed it somehow, please get back in touch and tell me. All right. Um, to close off, we have Jesper, who has sent in uh, a list including a fair amount of... Um, how do I put this? Abrahamic religions. Um, so Jasper starts off by saying Ten Commandments, Jesus Christ Superstar, Last Temptation of Christ, Passion of the Christ. Um, and then there's also a mention of, let's see, Godspell. Um, and then this one I found interesting. Mary, Mother of Jesus, a 99, a 99 film starring Jeremy Sisto, Jacqueline Bissett, Deborah Messing and Gary Oldman, which I wanted to read simply because, you know, you guys, Gary Oldman's done a lot of weird films. He has, yeah. Like really B-grade ones. Really I don't know whether films. this one's B-grade. I've not watched it, to be fair. But he may I always remind people that he was in that awful Red Riding Hood adaptation. <laughs> the the most awful one. No, no, that was Snow White, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. no. Red Riding Hood, it's even worse. He just comes out of nowhere. So, like you're watching a film and you're thinking there's not that great and then Gary Oldman shows up and you're it's like, It's his Whoa. summer vacation fund. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, he was doing a Nicolas Cage phase where he had to do any movie just to get just to pay off his debts. Then he won an Oscar. <laughs> and then, you know, he was back in. Um, Jasper also goes on to mention a number of Hercules films uh, and then brings up, let's see, Prince of Egypt. Huh. which we haven't actually mm -hmm. talked about. Um, Samson and Delilah, which I'm not so familiar Ooh, with. Samson and, and Delilah I watched a lot when I was a kid. Oh, interesting. Because the haircutting scene, I remember being super like betrayed by Delilah. Yeah. Oh, so many Sinbads. Um, you know, Voyage of Sinbad, uh, Sinbad and the Eye of the Tiger, Seven Seas, Adventures of Sinbad, uh, bringing up as well the Highlander movies and TV series, Robin Hood, which, you know, we can discuss, and then a number of Tarzan films. Robin Hood, 
Tarzan all sit in very similar categories in the sense that they were actually books written yeah. or stories it's, it's, written by it's people. It's more of the Lord of the Rings category yeah. where it was made up by somebody and just became part of our culture. And also doesn't have anything um, supernatural or not human, if I may say. Also, The Private Life of Helen of Troy. Which I, I've not heard. And also Helen of Troy, the 1956 movie and 2003 TV miniseries. So clearly, because I'm quite like fixated on this idea of Helen, I'm now, now rather intrigued by that. I've never heard of those films. I'm going to look them up, although I'm hoping I don't regret it. Uh, Japan uh, is coming in because we can't get enough of Gaiman. Um, American gods, humans created gods versus mythology. Uh, Yi Heng saying Chinese mythology, gods of honor. I don't know gods of honor recommend nope. oh no yeah I, well we'll look into it yeah a fresh recommendation Great, thanks. um all right everybody thank you so much for sending those thoughts through keep them coming if you'd like um we've been talking today about gods goddesses mythology and we've been asking you for your favorites or some recommendations you can whatsapp us 018-789-8899 tweet us at bfm radio and of course write to us as well at movies at bfm.my thank you so much for listening and for getting in touch you've been listening to popcorn culture bfm 89.9 You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.